Hello, this is Brian Leo, and today I'm here with Melissa E. Logan, who is one part of the art performance band Chicks on Speed. I'm not sure if that's a good introduction, but um, Chicks on Speed, what, formed in 1997, is that correct? Hi, Brian. Uh, oh, yeah. yes. In 1997, in Munich, Germany, although we're, neither of us are German, yeah. Right. So Melissa Logan was born in upstate New York, um, and you were a painting major at uh, the Academy of Arts in Munich. Is that correct? Yeah, I was studying with the professor Ben Willikens, and it was this yeah type of studies where one has like certain professors that one studies with. So, and before then I was studying in Utica, New York, sort of a um, very basic uh, education program, the basics of art, like painting, photography. So that was your undergrad, you, you did a little undergrad in, in Utica, yes. and then you decided to just go to Munich. You, you have some relatives out there or friends or No, family? I just didn't know, um, like Cal Arts was pretty far from me to go like geographically and financially at the time. Mm -hmm. And I got a scholarship from, from uh, Chicago and but Chicago I felt was okay between New York LA I don't know hmm. and so I just didn't do either I just actually wanted to go to Europe to meet people in the east and in these new countries that were just opening up after a cold, stupid cold war uh, so I wanted to get to know the world actually right so what type of paintings were you making at the Academy of Arts in Munich were they abstract yeah, like strangely enough, I happened to do a, a work for Solowet while there was an installation happening in Utica and they wanted a few volunteers from the art school. So I was dabbing paint on a Solowet and actually loved this uh, minimal and conceptual painting. And then when I was accepted in Munich, partially because of the Solowet uh, work that I'd done on his piece, um, my, my professor happened to be a big fan of Solowet. Anyway. So then I actually uh, started to do quite minimal uh, color field painting. Right, right. I think I saw some of them online. Um, Solowit has uh, that permanent installation up at Beacon too, right? I think, have you, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I think it's, I think he had students use like pencil or, graph, or graphite pencil too. Um, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> I think that's Solowit. Yeah, that, okay. um, and, they, and they just covered a whole entire wall. Um, it was very like meticulous. I, I forgot what kind of, I don't know if there were points or circles or something, but it could be some of, um, I just saw one recently in Napoli and in the museum there, it was also like one red, uh, round circle and one blue one. And it was also just done, I think with ballpoint pens, mm -hmm. but also mm -hmm. in a amazing, like, yeah, the concepts are fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then you got i mean like they, i i read something about you attending some parties at munich and um there was one location was it called like is it pronounced seppa or something or like this this bar or cafe that um had some dada roots that you were able to like meet uh the other your i mean your partner in, in chicks on speed alex leslie murray yeah. is that correct As, oh, yeah. alex murray leslie As, alex murray leslie yeah. Yeah, she had been involved in a party that was happening, and that was called Maria Bar. And that was also because of the uh, very Catholic roots of the area, Bavaria, that they sort of make poked fun and jokes about Maria Bar. And then Zeppi is also um, 
the Zeppi is a sort of a slang word for Joseph. And so ours was called um, Zeppi Bar. So I started a new bar with Alex. So, um, but then it transitioned into doing yeah, performance art and installation and musical performances. And basically it was for us to all get together despite the internal hierarchies that existed within the school system and also the politics of professors, et cetera. And right. This, like our own territory. So, so is, would you say, I mean, according to the internet, it's kind of like where Chicks on Speed kind of um, like was created or formed. Do you think that was like a, a catalyst of it? Of, because it of the- It was a different formation of people. And definitely this activity was, um, this was detrimental for the further work because then what we did as Chicks on Speed, we branched off and uh, focused on music and oh shoot no actually we didn't actually the first thing was I was doing a um I was doing I was selling art to BMW and then I asked Alex to do it with me and uh the paintings had to have a group name or else one would have to hand it in as an individual and that was the first time we used the name Chicks on Speed actually was to sell these two paintings to BMW ironically that was such a commercial job but it was really amazing because we made um, a bit of pocket cash. And then with that, we did performance pieces. And that's how we got really into electronic music, like Kraftwerk. Maybe that Audubon connects us to Kraftwerk, BMW, and Chicks on Speed. <laughs> Somehow then, um, yeah, working in an avant-garde way. So so do you think like the the speed um, part of the, the moniker is, is from... Does it have anything to do with like speed as in like velocity, like, like going fast or yeah. so? Cause I told a friend um, about, um, you know, like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to interview uh, a member of chicks on speed. And he was laughing and he was probably thinking of speed as in like the, you know, the drug. Yeah. So, I mean, which is, um, I guess people can see it either way. Like, yeah. So, um, and yeah. So <clears throat> making this, uh, I mean, like get it where, I mean, did you have musical background, a musical background before you started um, producing like that around that time? Like, were you, were you learning and experimenting and just uh, getting your hands on electronical equipment around 97, 98? It wasn't so interesting, really. I mean, we all enjoyed music. Mm-hmm. And of course, with Zeppi Bar, music had been then a larger part of it. But I was very ambitious about being a painter and an artist. And... Um, I mean, music, I had learned to play the saxophone and earlier forced to play the violin. And my father was a music teacher, so it was always just something there. So nothing I really thought about. Wow. Okay. But I mean, I mean, there were a lot of influences and also, of course, um, the European wave music was very interesting. I had difficulty with music because I didn't really like folk music that much. And I really despised rock, rock mm-hmm. and roll. So it, I was always very glad to escape from rock. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're, there's one huge song, um, like we don't play guitars, um, which to me is like a reference to like the cock rock of like the eighties, especially. I mean, I guess they say that I think I read online that maybe the term cock rock was maybe, um, written about in a, a New York magazine called Rat in like 1970. And I think they were referring to like Led Zeppelin, The Doors or something, but but also like, you know, the idea, like the Motley Crue and like the 80s, you know, um, 
misogynistic type like bands and i mean in 2004 with uh that song um and like to me it was like using those synths and the, the electronic drums has had this like 80s vibe to it and like the the colors that you use like for your 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 art and your stage performances like these vivid neon colors and stuff like kind of uh um around that time like when i started um <clears throat> like learning more or getting into the music of chicks on speed in the early 2000s like i think also like fashion in general too like there seemed to be like a a a kind of um you know like a reference to like 80s kind of style um, that was happening around or that's how i felt at least in new york around like the early 2000s and in you know so in 2004 um melissa and alex performed and exhibited their visual artwork at Jeffrey Deitch Gallery or Deitch Projects on Wooster Street. So um, that's where I was fortunate enough to meet Melissa. Uh, so that was 20 years ago, about 20 years ago now. So um, you have done so many things since then, uh, according to the internet. And uh, can you, do you want to talk a little bit about that experience at Deitch Projects on Wooster Street um, in 2004? Yeah, sure. So yeah, 2004, and okay, I mean, back to then, We Don't Play Guitars, yes, that was a partial, okay, partial in play, but also partial seriousness about an attitude toward instrument making and just in general art making, mm -hmm. that we don't need to function within the parameters of being a virtuoso, and actually then with guitars, then what do we need guitars for? Well, let's take this high heel shoe guitar, cut it up, and then, oh no, let's actually turn it into a guitar. So we ended up building these instruments out of, yeah, partially out of irony, and then actually making then instruments that we would love to play on stage. And one of them is the high heel shoe guitar, and another one is a hat, which has a microphone and then speakers coming out of it and wearable um other pieces that um for example a heartbeat machine we had for a while it was a little bit difficult with feedback and um so very fast from the stage we began to build these objects with then would, which would also then go into the museums and the exhibitions and yeah this was only possible through these exhibitions that also uh, would allow us to move into a space like jeffrey deitch's fantastic worcester street space where we would turn the actual exhibition space into a production laboratory. And Brian was, uh, why were you there you uh, were, well, with a group of people or were you performing I, then with us? Well, I mean, I, what I remember from that experience, I think I found out that you were, Chicks on Speed was performing. It might've been your last, like, cause you did two, two live performances on stage that they had built for you. And it might've been this, the last performance, like maybe, um, and for some reason I had a bag of paintings with me and that I made. And, um, and then you, you had one point, I think, I mean, Tina Wymouth was a special guest that night. Annette, Annette, what's her last name? Annette ben David. Yeah, she was there and she performed. And then there was another woman who performed, um, a version of Whitney Houston's, um, what's that famous song? Like, uh, and I, I, I yeah. yeah, that song. Yeah, that mm -hmm. was, um, interesting. And, um, and then I think we you invited the audience on stage. So there were a lot of people on stage at one point. Yeah. I think I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that and then and then somehow everyone left and it was just, I was just hanging out. And then it was just like just 
you guys were there and we were just hanging out at the end of the the show at at uh, the space and um and then i was i gave a couple paintings away to i think i gave one to you and to Anat and to alex and and there was the person from spain who was there i forgot his name but he was hanging out with everybody too um but there was yeah i think he was he was, was affiliated Arakis, the curator Arakis, Arakis maybe i don't know i just remember he had a jean jacket on and like back then i mean this is before smartphones so i just happened to have like a digital camera so i was happy to like take some blurry pictures um so that was that was before you know that was before um a lot of things you know so much has changed since uh 2004 um but it was it was such a fun experience and uh and okay, because during this resident residency time that we did at Deitch Projects, we um, we made a film, so a twenty minute short film that's actually quite good. It's called Visitors, and it's about getting lost in New York and actually land from a spaceship on a rooftop in Brooklyn. And yeah, so it's a, a short film of us uh, chicks on speed as aliens uh, landing and disappearing into the city. Um, so. But, you know, Jeffrey, he really had this amazing stage built up, this, you know, custom stage that was there just for the performance. And also there was pressure uh, from our manager who said, oh, Jeffrey came and then a collector came and really wanted to collect something. And we're really looking at, you know, what there was. And basically it was, uh, you know, all this set up. Teresa was the stylist. Teresa Logan, my sister, mm-hmm. was styling our film. And so we had the whole like uh, wardrobe set up there as well. And then we would start to stream parts of the filming that we had done during the day. So this kind of laboratory and situation, the, um, the collector didn't really know how to collect this and Jeffrey didn't know how to sell this. So there was a bit confusion on that part. Wow. And which was also, which is also an interesting dialogue now, you know, to think about that, you know, the times have changed so much in the way of like art making that, we had a book with Edward Booth Cliburn that we also launched at the time called Chicks on Speed. It's a project. So also the exhibition was like, look, Jeffrey, this is a whole project where what we're showing is this, you know, it's about the doing, not the, you know, product. It's the project. And I mean, little did we know that actually the whole art world would uh, focus so much on product that, you know, that now I think we're shifting back. To people thinking like okay you know not everything has to be market focused we can have like great works that are just works there and almost you know retain this innocence right right i i mean um i always thought that that jeffrey deitch could sell anything he wanted for any price he wanted but yeah that's interesting um so but um you did have two dimensional pieces on display as well, like large, maybe they were, I think I remember something being like, like 12 feet high, like, um, Oh yeah. We had these murals. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and I mean, since then, if, uh, if I'm correct or if the internet had provided me with the correct information, you've, you have lectured and exhibited your visual art and performed, um, you know, solo and with chicks on speed at, various institutions um throughout you know new york city so like the moma and, and moma ps1 is that correct and um the tate britain and uh and in and the what's the museum in kyoto um so the national uh the national museum there 
that was also a very large performance piece, which we did. Wow. Um, so. And um, what are the, at the, at the Pompidou as well? Yeah. So was this all like after 2004, do yes. you think? Yeah. So that's, that's like, you know, that's congratulations on, you know, all of these places that you were able to perform at, uh, in and, and um, exhibit at. Um, well, thanks. Yeah, these were also with larger groups of people with, for example, MoMA was, um, was with Douglas Gordon when he had a solo exhibition there that they began to do these performances close to the sculpture garden. So we mm. came in and did that. And later this became then the series that they did regular, I think once a month. Right. Chicks on Speed um, has collaborated with artists from, from different disciplines, right? Um, how do these collaborations enhance your creative process and the final product? That, I don't know if you want to answer that. but um, yeah, Or do you have any memorable experiences or, or challenges that arose while collaborating with artists um, like at these, at these venues or... Yeah, I mean, our collaborators are usually also very good friends or become them. For example, Douglas, is uh, he's in Berlin now. And yeah, the process of collaboration um, can also be, that's true, in the beginning it was a little bit shy because also the type of performing we were doing was quite edgy. And then to, you know, suddenly include a new member in this uh, quite intimate or like, intimate but explosive explosive and also quite exhausting um performing it's also it's like it's it's extremely intense so um so with him um when we first met the first few times it did more smaller scale performing and um and then later on when you know these larger scale performances happened in first vienna with francesca von habsburg's um sponsored performance at the garden bow kino this was a very large um, piece we did and this then pretty much made us ready for the um, for the Pompidou and for the Kyoto performances where it was really you know um, 800 people sold out performances where it was just so much like technique you know a large tech team of of craziness I mean I guess Kyoto was also kind of crazy because it was a lot of nudity and paint and things and people were just like whoa this is just insane and it was a quite conservative museum so that was quite impressive and you know, were you performing um some of the chicks on speed music then or was that was yeah, that collaborating yeah. with um with a local artist um girl group called oioo and they're this legendary sound artists and really also then um yeah in general also working with people from the area that we also respect very much Right, it's I think. Also part of it. Uh, I mean, I think maybe an, another collaboration that I saw was for uh, maybe less intense, but I think during the pandemic, you there was a song called "Vaccinate Me, Baby." That um, when what do you remember? What year you guys composed that song? It was during the pandemic. Okay. Yeah, it's and then. A silly joke. Oh, okay, and then the video is. Uh, is from a, a group That's in Mexico, Mexico City. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So I saw that, um, and I think that was. Uh, you have, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, I think on your website there's there was. Um, I think did I read something about like um, 
opportunities for for artists to collaborate on i'm not sure if there's remixes or or something but there's there's a it says like phone at chicksonspeed.com it's like on your website do you can you elaborate on that Oh, I actually don't know what that is. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Maybe Alex did that. She's uh, teaching in Norway and... Um, <laughs> right. Was. Yeah. Um, I'll, like I, collaborators for online, maybe? Because we're doing a lot of online performing. Maybe it has to do with that. I'm not sure. Right. I spoke briefly with Alex via email, and Alex will have a separate podcast interview uh, in the near future. You do have a performance coming up in in Germany, right? Yeah. On the 17th or something or, um, or on the 26th. Oh, on the 26th. Yeah. Could you, do you want to talk about that a little bit for a second or, um, what, what is, that's going to be, what, what's that performance? We're like? just headlining a festival. It's, um, just a normal chicks on speed performance where we, um, it's, yeah, it's a music festival. It's music festival. Yeah. And what's the location again? Um, oh, actually it's called Duisburg. And this is just very much in the center of Germany. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as I was conducting a little research online, um, I noticed also that there was a point where maybe it was around 2004 where you guys had opened up for James Brown and the Red Hot Chili Peppers in, in England. I'm not sure if you, were you performing at that um, at shows this with them? This is a difficult story, really, because... Oh. Um, one of my sisters was involved with one of them romantically, and then, the, like, they had some difficulty, and then at the same time, Anthony asked us to do that, and I was like, Anthony, I don't know. Um, yeah, I wanted, you know, I'd love to, but, you know, I got to stay faithful to family, and my band, they were like, come on, we should do it. And um, and then a very strange thing happened that I that my sister, my sister had then also said, like, look, if your band really wants to do it, go ahead. It will really, you know, um, you know, it's a great opportunity. So then, um, so then I was like, okay, whatever. Yes, sure, we'll do it. And then I went to play Primavera Sound in Spain, and then I found out um, that I was pregnant. And the doctor was like, no more stages. She was just like, stay home, chill. And then, then I was like, Anthony, sorry, I can't do it. But then the other band, they went anyway and did it. Okay. And it was kind of, I don't know, it was not very easy on them because playing, we don't play guitars in front of Red Hot Chili Peppers fans. Like, it didn't really work out so well. So my, my, you know, I was like, kind of like, okay, brave soldiers, great, you guys did it, but maybe, maybe it's just not the place for chicks on speed, and you know, in these kind of silly stadiums, guys. Come on. Yeah, it was. I mean, that it's it's very interesting that. Uh... The Chicks on Speed had that opportunity to, you know, um, to perform in front of that mainstream audience um, at that moment, and then, um, and then I mean, afterwards, in all of these, uh, you know, museums and institutions like these uh, and art galleries, um, you know, after it, but I think, um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, it must have been an experience. Um, so. Um, Maybe it was better when we were uh, opening for Craft Fair in Australia. I oh, think that was more suitable. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, also, like, we, we didn't mention the, the moniker Electro Clash that I guess they had been using. Like, I mean, that's what they used to describe um, the genre of music that um, 
I mean, chicks on speed is associated with. Um, did you ever, I mean, things that were going on like, like with Peaches and Gonzalez and like Berlin, like with the Kitty Yo like album or label, did, um, you, I mean, you have collaborated with Peaches as well, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, that, that's, I mean, I, I would, I mean, that would, she's also associated with that, with Electro Clash and, um, yeah, I love, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan of, of the beats that you create and, and just, uh, the content and, um, and yeah, I mean, Chicks on Speed Music is, I mean, it's, um, it has so many references to, um, I mean, there could be references to other art, art movements and, and fashion and, um, some empowering themes. And, um, I think some, some songs that you release later on, um, that I checked out on Spotify, which, um, I think I had, I bought the first two CDs, which was where like, will we'll save us, will save us we'll as save well. Us all. And then the 99 cents, Okay. but 99 cents is not on Spotify. I don't know why, but it's not, that album's not on Spotify and, um, you can check it later. And then, then you have like, the space bar which i didn't know like about um that's another album right and then is there what's the what's the one after that um cutting the edge okay um there's also a, there's also a collaboration with with julian assange um excerpts is, is that i mean they're from is it are they excerpts from an interview or do you want to yeah, talk about that sure yeah with julian assange uh so when WikiLeaks happened, I found it extremely fascinating. And um, my friend Angela Richter and I, so we just spoke about, oh my God, what is going on? Cannot believe this flood of information that's suddenly available to everybody. And I happened to be in London and she flew in extra for this talk between Julian Assange, uh, Shizek, and Amy Goodman was moderating it. And it was a sold out house. Um, and like we quickly bought tickets online. And then Angela, she actually got a ticket, an extra ticket to go have a dinner with Julian Assange to as a fundraiser for WikiLeaks. And so that's how she met him. And she's a theater maker. And then she gave Julian her number and said, you know, she'd like to interview him for a theater piece. And she has been over the years, she's done a few theater pieces with him very good ones and she does a lot of research into them and collects the information and did i think a few hundred um, interviews with julian actually so um angela gave us the the interview this she's she selected a part that for for us to use in this song and then we brought the song to the embassy and went to the, went into the embassy um um 2015 i really don't know the date mm -hmm, i shouldn't mm -hmm. say it but anyway so we did go into the embassy and played him the song and then met Joseph and the other, you know, his other um, assistants, amazing people, his amazing team, really fantastic people he works with. And um, and then he's a very precise person. So when we came in the embassy, then he looked up and said, oh, and here are the so-called chicks on speed. <laughs> <laughs> so he wouldn't call us chicks on speed. He was very very kind and he was a little bit strange like with me not me so much with Alex he was kind of like checking her a little bit like asking her questions about where she grew up and where she was from etc because they're both they're Australian mm -hmm. so but then after a while then we were okay and then like the atmosphere was then more relaxed 
Um, but it was definitely uh, such a experience that I'll never forget. And then it was a very long evening. So um, then I remember then, yeah, sort of parts of it then coming up, like him speaking about the different films that they were working on, different projects where he had the post-it notes on the wall at that time. Wow. Uh, I believe also, did you do a benefit concert? Um, was it the, earlier this year for, for Julian Assange? Uh, some live events in Europe? Is, was we that did this one year? In April, mm. um, but that was, that was already last April, so a year and a half ago. Oh, oh okay. And um, there will be more. Sadly, it's still necessary to do more concerts for him because they still have him locked away. So we will be doing more. At the moment, there's the discussion of Tafalger Square and um, also in Munich. So, but definitely there's going to be much happening for him, of mm -hmm. course, to save him. All right. Um, I believe on that album also, I think there's, um, there's, I think Yoko Ono is featured on one of the songs also. I'm, I'm not sure if there there are samples or, um, but do you do you know what song I'm talking about? Yeah, it's a song Utopia, and we've wanted her to be part of this so much, and we were with. Yeah, it's a, I mean that's a great song. Okay, I love it. It's so fun. Yeah. We were with this, we, you know, we were with Peter Weibel, and Peter Weibel is an extremely important artist to us. And um, first of all, because he worked with Valley Export, and Valley Export was on the top of our list of like goddesses of art um, that we wanted to be like when we were at art school. So we were always bowing down very low to um, Valley Export. And Peter Weibel, then we saw his work uh, more and more interesting, but he was so into theory. But then we got to know him and worked with him. And then um, Peter Weibel, he said, come now, we're going to go see uh, Yoko Ono in Vienna. And we went there to her talk. So we recorded the talk mm -hmm. and then we wanted to go backstage, backstage and talk to her, but she would, wouldn't speak to anybody. Mm -hmm. And, um, but we didn't, we didn't want to not have her on the song. So we just, um, kind of cheekily put her on the song and, you know, I say, thank you, Yoko Ono very much that you didn't sue us for this because it's too cheeky and we shouldn't have done it. But at the same time, we respect you and love you so much. And your words were so fantastic. It had to be on this song, Utopia. Because we know, like, you want, like, we all want a peaceful world. This is what we all want. Like, we don't want violence. And just, like, the way, yeah, the way she said it. Yeah, and... that's, a, that's a quote from, uh, if, if you listen to the song, it's My Utopia. That's the name of the song, right? Or just, is it Utopia. you? Okay, it's yeah. Utopia, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, it's a great song. Um, so, I mean, I also recommend that to other artists, you know, if there's stuff, you know, just sometimes this legal stuff, if you want to respect and like loves the people and loves the art, you know, I think one has to just like go for it. And sometimes, yeah, with copyright and all these things, it's like made to, you know, it's made to like um, protect the artists. And but if one has to make good art, you just got to do it. You know what I mean? And hopefully then the artist will also understand and then. In the end, hopefully they'll even be happy to be a part of it, you know? Right. Because it's not just like stealing and taking and not changing, but it's also like respect and, you know, passing that torch. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's one particular uh, installation that I think I saw a video about and uh, was referenced in some interviews that I saw online. 
is it called On Air? Was that at um? What could you tell us what museum that was? That that was is that the the like a is a several day like audio. Um, can you explain it a little bit? Um, this, so it's an installation called On Air. That was that a Chicks on Speed project or no? no I did this. Um, that was so that was your installation. Would you mind yeah. talking about that? Yeah, this was a difficult piece. I um, was doing a sort of a installation piece in a underused urban landscape. And it was a large storefront window, kind of um, by a highway where a few little art galleries are down in Cologne. And I had a grant so I could pay my musicians and my, my team okay, but it wasn't that that much. But we ended up um, performing that every day for um, half an hour. And every day it was a new kind of a concert and we were inside this window. And it sounds easy, but for some reason it was really exhausting. Um, I guess also because we were playing different music every day. Um, I was playing saxophone some of the time, so my saxophone playing got better. And and then at the time I met a political refugee from Kurdistan and she also joined. Incidentally, she was even like um, still getting her in her in her refugee status. So she had to quickly then travel back to the um, travel back to her place that she was living in these barracks at night. But it was really um, so it had this kind of like edginess to it where it was partially like sort of established and already and funded by the town of Cologne. But then it was partially just like all of us bunching together and doing what we could to like, yeah, to have this sort of like sing songy soundscapes and then these political messaging would also come into it, you know, partially by Heisha Nitter, who was um, singing about like, yeah, her peoples and she's an extremely gifted musician. And then partially from a poet, uh, a beat poet and Louise Landis Levy, who also contributed um, uh, poetry to it. So it was, um, yeah, very sort of local musicians and then also reaching out internationally about, you know, at the same time also part of the highway and forests were being, trees were being occupied by people and the police were moving in and pulling de the demonstrators out of the trees that was happening, at, um, you know, very close to Cologne. So, like, it's very interesting when one just does something like this, how the um, news or how the you know, people who are individually involved in the on-the-ground politics um, of the moment then come into the, come into the performances and also generational themes also find their way in. So I recommend that, and it was a very valuable piece in that way of just having a sort of a format and a space and not knowing what's going to happen, and then it actually, like, blossoms into this piece that actually has quite an impact. Right. I, I think um, uh, Alex, when I spoke with her briefly, she, I mean, she mentioned uh, like how Fluxus is uh, on her end, uh, a big component of the, the happenings and, um, and performance art that um, I mean, she said that she would like to discuss more, but um, you know, with, would you mind talking about maybe like, um, 
I mean, so, I mean, the different, you're multidisciplinary with like visual, you know, visual two-dimensional work and fashion and performance and, um, and installation. Um, so does the music like help? I mean, is it, is it like, uh, reciprocated with like or does the music produce the visuals or the visuals produce the music or i mean if that makes any sense um so is it does it just i mean the the where do the like the like the music and the and the you know the other mediums that you use like how how does that would you be able to speak about that or is it too vague um well no, it's fine. I mean, no, because, um, you know, I was just thinking then about these, yeah, these installations in the situation and maybe with on air. And then that's true. Actually, I became interested in sound and music and in public space. And and um, then over the years, I began working with different objects and actually sound installation more. And um, and also how one can also have pieces which are then played by the visitors and this is something that I've developed over a few years is working with antenna and different like I thought it was triggering but actually I mixed in different layers of sound and triggering that it became sort of something that's between a player and an instrument I don't really know yet what it is so um yeah so some of it becomes from like urges and ideas and just for example doing these projects that one doesn't really know what they are and, and they take on their own dynamic. But then also the step beyond that where one also sees then, for example, a funny statistic in society, like a typical European society, you have, you know, 80% of the people who would like to do musician, who would like to play music together and, you know, 16% are musically trained. So then I think, okay, interesting. Let's take this between percentage. Let's make a very interesting, easily playable thing that, you know, non people who don't, who never bother to learn to instrument and don't have time or whatever, it's, you know, made for them to enjoy this, this feeling that one can actually get from playing together because that is quite a unique, unique experience. And I guess also like, you know, in neuroscience, there is also particularly particular parts of the brain that it also does activate, which is, you know, this motion, you're listening at the same time, you're moving at the same time, and you're also interacting with other humans at the same time. So, um, um, so it's partially, yeah, partially connected then to thinking about it. And then of course the large step is then actually, you know, getting the, finding the right tech technology that can do these things, you know, circuit boards, which kind of, you know, um, again, then also composing the music for it. And there are, so, there are many components. So some of these ideas can take a few years to realize. So yeah, having that interactive uh, participatory component is um, something that you, you use with your with your installation and work, right? I mean, people are able to participate with um, in some of the installations. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, there was one video I think I saw or clip of like the cigar box instruments that you um like there were cigar box synthesizers yes. that was that was a chips on speed um yeah but these are older ones the that was an older boxes, one yeah but, the, but these ones with the antennas this is a newer mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. but yeah the cigar boxes um these are from i mean cigar boxes are these classic instruments that are mm -hmm. yeah um 
but definitely the antenna piece it's called um spark this is definitely more advanced than the cigar boxes with the antenna piece i'm thinking like a theremin or something but i have no idea could you elaborate a little bit on like what the like how people okay, well, yeah. physically it was a it looked like um like a landed um satellite maybe it landed a bit bumpy but anyway it was sort of like satellite pieces and um held together and then with antennas sticking out so quite haphazard and this was exhibited for the museum of literature in Mabach, so in germany outside of stuttgart so um the visitors then could play it had four antennas wow this one okay i'll have to look it up yeah i don't think i came across that one um and let's see um Oh, probably because they did all, all the press in German. That's, that's a good point. I, I mean, what I did see, I think, from if I mean, I saw on air, was it like, was it a blue room with, um, no, that's a no, different performance? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so where, what was that blue room? Um, there's, there's a, there's an installation of, it looked like it was like a blue room and there were maybe some like squares, um, like maybe some day glow color squares posted on a wall. I'm not sure what performance that was or exhibition, but it was something else that I, I came across online. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and um, what about maybe any projects that you're, I mean, you're doing, you're performing on, you know, in Germany in, on the 26th, you said, or 27th? And, yes. yeah. um, what type of visual art are you are you working on anything at the moment or um yeah i'm doing an exhibition uh in brussels on the 15th of november and it's the samata bookshop and they have exhibition spaces above it what type of work are you going to show um over there part of the antenna okay piece so that will be there and yeah sound pieces sound installations all right and also some photos which i did upstate here with Sycon with sydney mm -hmm. my son and my stylist sister teresa logan um so we found a, yeah it's kind of funny i wouldn't really show this but it's um up where she has this house in palinville there's um there's a, a walk where you find like jesus and different statues and one of them is a jesus with the hands up but now the cross part fell down so instead of it's Jesus on the cross, now it's sort of a victorious Jesus. So I thought this was interesting that even like a religion that always shows someone all suffering and hurt and hanging there dying, is suddenly changed to this person that it suddenly looks like they're actually standing there with their hands up and almost happy. Wow. So, um, yeah. I have like, of course, um, yeah, a lot of these religions I find very strange. Um, how it makes one feel as a human being and also the whole yeah colonialism enslavement of people and all this bizarre stuff mm. that that's so feels so far away that it's uh, maybe i can even revisit it a little bit in a way of being like okay jesus now you've done your job now you're also free maybe <laughs> wow uh, so i mean you you're you spend your time in upstate new york in in berlin in Belgium, is that correct? Or um, also in Hamburg too? Um, are these, can you talk about like where you bounce around, um, you know, year to year? Are those like three locations that you 
call home? Berlin is a main landing spot, and um, I'm starting to teach at the Angewandte at the art school in Vienna. So it looks like I'll be moving there, and I maybe will really move somewhere and have a yeah permanent residence. Let's see. Right. So um, I met. I mean, fortunately, I was able to meet Sydney and Teresa of. Uh, a few weeks ago, and that's how um, I was able to correspond with uh, Melissa to get this interview happening. Um, yeah, Sydney's making artwork as well, and he's, you know, he. When I speak to Sydney, I feel like I'm talking to. Uh, he's, I mean, he's about eighteen right now, right? And um, yeah, but I mean, he's he's very mature, and he's got a lot of great ideas, and um, and yeah, then. Um, you said that he he might be. I mean, he he will be um, contributing to the exhibit in Belgium He's, in some yeah, capacity. So, yeah, because um, well, I mean, they're photographs that we did some photo shoots mm. to, um, upstate. So Sid Sid will be in it, and yeah, Sydney lives in Hamburg with his father, so I go there sometimes. But I'm mostly Berlin based, and sometimes Brussels because just Brussels is a very fantastic place. Right. I, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about like this, um, like, because sometimes it is challenging um, once you have kids and like art making practices and this balance between work and life. Um, is there anything that um, you'd meant like to talk about um, with that? I mean, many artists find it, yeah, I mean, challenging to to, to make the balance or have a balance between you know, raising kids and stuff. And I think there's some article I came across recently about that, um, you know, particularly for female artists, it being, a, you know, more of a challenge or something. I mean, have you ever, do you want to, would you mind talking about that or? Yeah, definitely in the music world. There's, you know, if one said, oh, yeah, I had a kid, what, you know, there was also a lot of shock, like, oh, okay, as if the career is over or something. I mean, which is such a joke because, um, you know, um, Anyway, I never thought of music that way, that it just was a career. It was always, you know, one's life. Or for a while, one would tour and then also just do something else. It never felt like it was that one was just living for that kind of a music world. So, but actually, in general, I would say that being an artist and having children works together very well. And and one secret is to break up with the parents. Like, if the parents break up, because then you have allocated time when you're with the child and when you have your time with your art and and actually like um I shouldn't have I shouldn't have been so sad about the breakups so, so long I should have just gotten up right away and been like you so yeah people just remember it's actually a real advantage and I don't know why it's not spoken about enough that it's really awesome then to have like different partners and really, if the parents then, you know, then one really can deal with giving the child and giving the family, like, the love that it, because kids really do need so much love, so. Right, right. That's, yeah, that's interesting. That's a, an interesting perspective. Um, I mean, like, a lot of people trying to hold on to traditional, you know, kind of um, family settings and um so yeah and it's strange because actually so many people break up after having kids because it's such a different relate also it's so many years it's like you know i had been together with sydney's father already i don't know like 10 years whatever it was just like you know so things change things do change a lot after uh 
yeah, like, I mean, besides marriage or whatever, um, like after having a child and that's, you know, there's so much information online about, you know, that experience and, um, yeah. yeah. But then just in general, being an artist, you know, having mm-hmm. kids and then having the flexibility also to travel sometimes with them. This is the best thing to do with them. And even though there are all these constraints from school and this and that, it's like the big, the biggest hurdle is just to, you know, jump those constraints and bring the kids as much as possible. And even though sometimes it's a bit more uh, difficult, a lot more expensive, it just like, imagine people who spend all that money on tutors. It's just like the travel and all that is like the best thing you can do. Best education. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, when I met him, he, I, he just seems very worldly and uh, like well-rounded and I was impressed. Um, and then we were talking about music and then he, he mentioned, we were somehow we talked about chicks. He mentioned chicks on speed and then I'm like, what? No way. Yeah. So, um, um, but he, we were talking about his, his visual art for, uh, you know, for the, for the earlier in the evening and things like that. And he got, I got stickers. Oh, <laughs> I got, got stickers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Of the kind of like a Cheshire. Um, is that your t-shirt? Cat. This is my t-shirt of a, I pan, love that. It's a panda. It's a silk screen that I made. Thanks. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Maybe um, he'll do a trade with you. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, and then and then Teresa again um, is a stylist and and she did a mini performance that was like remind it felt like a yeah like a, the aesthetic of Chicks on Speed with um, her performance in her apartment on uh, yeah in New York City um, she had the strobe light on and I think there was I mean it, I was it was awesome to witness um, and she was just having fun and um and then she was rapping and um but there was neon like i'm not sure what she was wearing but um but it was a cool experience um so how much um have you collaborated with um teresa like on some of the aesthetics of chicks on speed um like outfits and things um like would you mind talking about that Um, yeah i mean the design we haven't really collaborated on so much but more as when we were making film or video pieces that, uh, for example, the short film Visitors, she styled that one. And um, and then when we performed, she would come backstage, of course, and style us for shows. So yeah, she was part of it, but she was, when we were a lot in New York, um, around, yeah, uh, 2002, 2010, she was doing very high, more high scale like commercial uh, styling and now more recently she's gotten into film styling mm. so yeah and then going into art performance and poetry this is very oh, much yeah. like this new writing that she's been doing right i believe uh, i think i saw that she was uh, performing um in some venues in new york city um some spoken word um i think um i'm not sure if it was in the west village or something but yeah um yeah, it's very precious, and it's also she's someone that um, both of the younger sisters from our clan, Johanna and Teresa, they were club kids. So, and it was this extremely important era of New York, and where you know, like Forty Second Street was something else. It's like doesn't look like it does right now. That's for sure. And also, you know, limelight and these mm-hmm. places like. They were, yeah, going to 
yeah, doing parties and. So they were going there, and they were they were probably going to the limelight in the eighties. Probably no, it was no, like not the... that young. It was the nineties club kid scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what they're writing on and working on. So it's very much like OG New York things, and I mean, I don't know. I feel I have to say. I just do feel a little bit sad about parts of New York that's getting lost. It's pretty tragic. Mm. So I can like come here and be here a little bit, but mm -hmm. they're part, you know, I turn a corner and I look for a bookshop and it's not there. And it's like, damn. Yeah. I mean, yes. I, mean, I know I'm like, I know something should change, but some things one should keep. <laughs> I think everyone's just getting priced out. Yeah. It's just, that's it. And it's, um, I mean, right now, I mean, since the bail reform laws and the pandemic, um, we have some of this old New York back as far as homelessness and crime. Um, but, um, and then, you know, wherever artists go um, to relocate and to try to start something up, maybe, I mean, maybe the last place is like in Bushwick or, I mean, they're coming, it's coming back to Lower East Side. There's a lot of places, um, a lot of galleries happening um, here too. I guess some, some tenement buildings have spaces below that they're, they're offering for reasonable rates and stuff. So um, there, there are a lot of galleries that have opened up in LES. Like, so it's, it's, it, that's, that is, if you walk around, you know, you'll, you'll encounter a lot of spaces and that's, that's a nice, that's, that's a little refreshing than like, how it was in Chelsea for like, you know, 2000 to like 2000, you know, 15 or whatever. So like, there's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of galleries in this area right now, which mm -hmm. is, um, which is good. Um, and you, uh, you did, you know, when we were talking about the Yoko Ono, um, you know, clip in the, in, in the song, um, you said that, yeah, like when, if, if, if artists find, you know, things to be appropriate, they should um, not, not be hesitant sometimes to, you know, incorporate certain elements, but in general, um, maybe what, you know, what advice would you give to aspiring musicians and artists who are looking to explore um, multidisciplinary approaches to their creative work? <laughs> okay. Or... <laughs> Um, maybe based on your experiences, how can uh, maybe yeah, I mean, artists... When we, uh, when we started Chicks, it was really, yeah, it was very much of like a gang of people. So, but then, yeah, we would do these actually, yeah, very much like just do as much as you can actually, because actually we would do so many like exhibitions, setting up stuff ourselves and also the performing like so much of it was just like, okay, that one, that one, that one, bam, bam, bam. And but, I mean, so is it do it like yourself? Not wait around. Yeah. Not yeah. wait around for people to book us. It was more like, right. okay, you start we're here, your own we're ready thing. to play. We're there. Right. You no, know, we'd also approach people and just be like, okay, we're going to come in and do it. You know, like, mm. like that. I mean, that's and great. Then, like, yeah. Self-organize and do it alone, you know, on our own also, but then also go to others. So Alex was also really good at that with this, um, yeah, with this uh, promoter in Munich, and she was like, "Yeah, we're gonna come and da da da." And he was like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> this is like or, when you were in your twenties, I yeah. guess. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. So um, just like yeah, because sometimes people they have this, they have this, they think that oh, people will get ask you to do things. No, no, no. You just like go in and just start doing it. Actually, 
that's great advice yeah um i mean again like you like all of these venues that um you've performed in i think it's it's like it is like an artist's dream to be able to like do like to perform in all these these places and it's definitely i mean there's like lists and lists of places that you you've been exhibiting and lecturing in and performing in it's you know well deserved and um yeah and congratulations again it's uh you know, it's, I mean, I'm looking forward to, to, um, I, I, for some reason between like, I, I think, I'm not sure. I just didn't, maybe before even, I mean, like I just couldn't, maybe I wasn't buying CDs or something. And I just somehow I, I, yeah, just, I was, you know, I listened to the first two albums and I love them. And, and I just didn't know you were producing more work. I, oh, I didn't know what no, was we, happening. Like, well, no, because you Alex, did take a break or something. Alex took, did a PhD somewhere. Mm. That's probably why she'll do the talk and stuff, right? Because right. she like did some other work with her, like she oh, did yeah. research, other research and things, you know. And then I also worked on other musical, like I learned how to produce music, and I did these other like sound projects. Mm. Um, and yeah, also being a mother, like I took a lot of time with my kid. Um, and yeah, it's it's you know all these things. It's like uh, it takes a while. Yeah, yeah. And now we do have a song that's out. And it's called Uploading the Human. And this is especially for the summer. And as Sydney said, he said, Mom, look, we're here in 2023 and the robots have landed. And suddenly AI is all over the place. And sure, AI has been with us for quite a while. But yeah, 2023 is the summer of the robots and the summer of AI. And exactly for this summer, you have this delicious song, Uploading the Human. Yeah, um, I'm gonna listen to it again. Um, I know it's it's it sounds very cool, and there's it's another, it's on Spotify. There's yeah. actually another sister on it. She plays the cello and lives in Woodstock. Oh, actually, she what's her name? In uh, another she... town, her name is Cornelia Logan, and she plays cello on this one. Oh, okay. How, so there's a total of how many Logan sisters? Uh, there's we can, four. We can do that with or... the next interview. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so. Um, is is there anything else that we um we should talk about or i think that's usually kind of ended with that advice piece and i, yeah, I think it's i good. loved it you know it makes it makes a lot of sense um you know to be proactive and um and in, in the end you know i guess it's still just for artists just to be able to communicate and just now we have social media to you know find um people online to you know be able to, that audience is i mean again that's different than like when you started in the 90s right like i mean people a lot of, i mean all artists are like really pushing like instagram and things like that um maybe maybe i saw a clip um with an interview of you and alex at one point maybe talking about myspace this is a long time ago like an oh, old yeah. youtube interview so um so well um i don't know like sure insta one can post a bit but I guess one can't take it too seriously, you know, but that also what happened in music. It's so annoying. That's like, you know, looking at like how many followers and posts and all that BS. It's just like, I'm totally don't go for it at all. Mm -hmm. I do like minimal labor on it. Mm -hmm. It's like so highly addictive. It's, it's, it's dangerous. So I don't want to get my paws touching too deep on it. You know what I mean? I'll be like a weekend user or like, a, you know, I only smoke when I drink or kind of that kind of an attitude towards Insta. Yeah, that's that's pretty smart because um I mean it's so easy to get um I mean yeah, there's so much written about um 
you know, everyone trying to portray themselves in their the most ideal way. Um, it's gotten way too and, much value in this society. It's like, know, it's, yeah. it's really like a insta washing that's happening. And like, it's time to stop that. <laughs> we just like, yeah, like, I wonder if generation, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, like generation Z, I, I don't know if they're for it or I don't, I'm not sure. They're using so many other different apps as well. And then, you know, things like, I mean, Twitch is amazing. Like that's the, the gaming. App. I mean, it's, it's an, it's a website where people watch mm -hmm. other kids play games and stuff. And um, coming, I'm from generation, what X and um, it's, I can't, I'm, I mean, yeah, we watching someone else play games and then sending money or gifts and um, to watch people, I guess it's, I mean, and then, and then generation Z with, you know, that, kind of aspiring to be an influencer as a, a career you know it's it yeah it's a you know things are moving fast and um and then you mentioned with ai and everything so um and your son is generation z yeah so um and but you're instilling you know i think um I mean, there's one conversation that we had that i think uh, value that he might have um you know um um, learned from you, which was we were talking about. Um, we got somehow we were talking about these, like Tarantino movies or something, and uh, or maybe not. Maybe it's not from you. I mean, he just but he was just like ah, uh, since he was like since Tarantino was affiliated with like you know Weinstein and Miramax and stuff, he's just like I'm not really going to support that and stuff. So that was impressive and yeah, makes sense. So yeah, um, I don't know if you ever talked to him about that. <laughs> like no, that was that's, that's probably just him then. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, um, yeah. So, thank you so much um, for for doing this podcast with uh, uh, White Hot Magazine, and thank you to Noah Becker. And um, there'll thank be you, Brian. It's yeah, been very good. Oh, awesome! I'm glad it went well. Yeah, and um, we'll uh, we'll I'll speak with Alex Leslie Murray. That's the correct order, right? <laughs> um, for Alex Murray Leslie. Oh, Alex Murray Leslie, yeah. Who's um, the other, um, what would be the word? The other half. The other half of, Chicks on, half of Chicks on Speed, yeah. yeah. All right, thanks everybody. Great talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye, and best of luck on your future endeavors. Thank you.